Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Where do we even start this week? It's been crazy again. So much much this week. It's a gift I keep on giving. It really does. Happy almost 4th of July, by the way. Thank you. You too. You too. Happy birthday, America. We love you no matter what kind of shit show you are right now. True. True. (laughs) Sometimes I waver. (laughs) No, don't let them take away your love for this country. You can hate hate them. Um, Speaking of people who hate our country, um, Liz (laughs) Cheney this week introduced the world to the latest version of, should we call her the female uh, Alexander Vindman? I don't know. She's like Christine Blasey Ford meets Alexander Vindman. <laughs> How about that? Meets Stormy Daniels. Meets Stormy Daniels. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, dear listeners, we are talking about, of course, Cassidy Hutchinson, the 25-year-old, in real life she was that young, 25-year-old former intern for Ted Cruz and Steve Scalise. Thank you both very much. Um, who testified, I'm not even call it testified, performed. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, back up. I do not yes. know. She was an intern for Ted Cruz and Steve Scalise? Yes. Okay, so, okay, so she's, let's just, I'm sorry. She's 25 years old, and she did yes. two internships, one in the Senate, one in the House. Yes, you are correct. And then she went on to do another internship in the White House. Basically, you are correct. That's interesting. So I I bet Ted Cruz got her that job in the White House. Well, what will be someone needs to dig into is how where who is she? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think interns like I was an intern for a senator my last semester of college. Um, But I got it the old fashioned way, like from working at it because I was in media and I got like a press internship. But I don't think that's how it works nowadays. You need to have some sort of connection, I think, especially to work for Ted Cruz or even Steve Scalise. It's not like they're nobodies. You need you definitely need somebody to get you in the White House like that. Right. So who got her vice president? Right. I mean, not she wasn't like some comms intern or something. Okay, so she was working for. Pence, is that right? I thought she was working for Mark Meadows. Oh, that's right. That's even worse. So she's basically a few years older than Monica Lewinsky was when she was a White House intern slash aide. Okay. I mean, let's not make any, you know, we're we're not here to make any inferences or disparage anyone. Well, I am. Um. I don't know. I'm sorry. Is this happy hour with Julian Liz? No, um. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. This is the Atlantic. She this was is... an intern for the chief of staff of the president of the United States. Again, yes. that is not that doesn't just happen. That's not like you don't just write an essay and send your transcripts for that position. That right. Is, A thousand word point. essay. Why I deserve to be Mark Meadows's secondhand gal to get wow. him coffee. That's amazing. Okay. So the way Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, when he introduced her, he, of course, puffed up her resume. I was listening and he's like, you worked for Steve Scalise and you worked for Ted Cruz. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I didn't 
realize she was an intern. And I didn't realize at the time she's only 25. I mean, she comes off very, uh, I mean, she, she's a very attractive young girl, you know, was very poised. I thought as she was explaining all the stories that she was making up, I mean, nonetheless, it, she was very mature about it. Um, so, but that, that's her background. So it's important to start there. Well, she was obviously murder boarded, right? Like they didn't just pick her up and say, Hey, can you, do you have some spare time? Can you like pop into our committee hearing and talk? No, she was a hundred percent coached by professionals, crisis comms, the whole thing. So yes, I'm sure she did a very good job. Also considering that there was no, wasn't an adversarial process. So she wasn't ever going to, you know, face like difficult questions. So Yes, but this was entirely, she was entirely coached, but okay, go ahead. Right, so she was coached. She also, like most 25-year-old young women, loves to hear herself talk. I think she testified to the committee three times and spoke for like 20 hours. Like what possibly, but Liz, you know this better than I do because you're in the Beltway and you work, you've been there forever. She's what, your typical low-level staffer who acts like she has the ear of the president and everyone in the White House. And without her, the White House would completely devolve into chaos, which wouldn't be hard in the Trump White House. But, right, that's that's the MO. Well, it is unusual for someone who is a White House intern to, to testify to having knowledge of things that are at a very, like, the highest level. Well, she wasn't an intern in the White House. She she was an aide. I think she was paid. Oh, she she was was an an aide. Okay. But even so, she's a 25-year-old aide. And the question is, and I can't can't say either way. I don't know if this is true. I want to think it isn't true, that Mark Meadows isn't, like, having serious strategy discussions with a 25-year-old aide. Like, an aide's job is to, like do paperwork it's not to like do strategy or like have important critical conversations those aides are usually not included in that but I don't know who knows who knows go ahead so um she she gave a performance her and Liz Cheney um where she made all sorts of these outlandish um accusations about Trump's conduct on January 6th and I wish we had the clip of it, but people can find it on their own, where she describes really what would be an assault by the president on a Secret Service agent attempting to grab the steering wheel, which, as many people have pointed out, would be impossible in the presidential limousine. And then, um, I guess, tried to choke. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like this, the the best part of it, this is just how out of touch these like never Trumpers are like the things that they're describing are things that would only make the Trump lose like him more like the <laughs> idea true. that Trump like beat up his Secret Service agents and then Shanghai his car to drive to the Capitol so they he, he could protest with them are you serious it's just, <laughs> it, but it's also insane that the thing that's the most messed up about these Trump derang- people with Trump derangement syndrome is that they're so untethered from reality that they yes. don't have a sense of what the average person would find credible. Like it, they believe they'll literally believe anything, right? These are the people that believe that Trump watched the gorilla channel. Remember that? <laughs> it, that was like right yes. out of the gate. That was like what was to come. Cause I think that was like the first night he was in the white house <laughs> that, that stuff. 
story about the girl that came out. And if you don't know what that is, I'll just briefly tell you. Somebody wrote a story. I think they even created a document that made it look real where where the people in the White House had to create something called the Gorilla Channel for Trump to watch because he wanted to watch gorillas fighting. And 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 the media like ran with it. They believed it. Like they were not able to say that sounds crazy. Like at, none of these people are able to take a step back and listen to what what they say and then say that is too crazy, right? Like whores peeing on a bed in the Ritz in the Moscow Ritz Carlton. Not none of it is too much for them. They like eat it up. So that I don't know. I just found that to be so crazy. So this crazy girl, this girl, whatever for whatever reason, is telling stories about things that she wasn't even there for, you know, I mean, she obviously wasn't there with the president and standing next to him as he throat punched the Secret Service so he could take his car over to the Capitol. I don't know. I'm sorry. Go I mean, ahead. it, I it is hilarious. I mean, it is it is funny. I mean, you can definitely see Trump swearing out his agents in the car because he did tell the crowd during his speech at the Ellipse, that he was going to go to the Capitol with them and have their voices heard. And a lot of people, this sort of clears things up for people because, I, you know, I talked to a lot of the people who were there. They didn't understand why Trump told them to go there and he didn't go. So now we have at least clarification that his Secret Service agents, for some reason, and Liz, this also deserves serious investigation, why the president made a public statement he made it very well known that he wanted to go to the Capitol, but why would the Secret Service agents overrule him and take him to the White House? Okay, well, let me let me let me push back on that a little. Okay. So, um, having been at events where the president is going to appear, they the president just doesn't pop in wherever he wants to go. Like they have to sweep usually the day of or even the day before where well where they prepare for him and and I'm talking about these are events that are indoors um like whether it's the NRA conference he's talking or CPAC you know everybody has to clear out of the hotel building and they I mean I've been on radio row everybody has to get out they sweep he can't just go wherever he wants and going outside the capitol is even more insane if you're talking about how to secure the president, right? I mean, a good person who would know about this would actually be Dan Bongino as a Secret Service agent. Because just think about if there's like, if you're a sniper, you know, I mean, they can't clear, I mean, there were snipers on the roof, but they weren't, they were there to get killed the Trump supporters, not the president. I mean, we later learned. <laughs> yes, good point. There were snipers, but I mean, you, the question is, can they secure a location like that? I mean, he wasn't up on a stage. He didn't, you know, there weren't people in place, there weren't secret service in place. Like they knew he was speaking at the ellipse. There were already people there before he even got there to, you know, to make sure of the security was there. So I do understand why the secret service would be like, no, because it's, he, you, he can't, I mean, remember when we had Brandon Strzok on a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago when he was talking, even Brandon Strzok had like personal security walking to the Capitol, going to the Capitol. Can you imagine? I mean, it is kind of a security nightmare for the, for that. That's that's my that would be my understanding of it is that it's just way it's crazy to just have him right. go out in public. So I do kind of understand where they were like, no, I mean, look, 
do you if you remember i know the media has tried to erase this from the record but if you go back to the summer 2020 when antifa and black lives matter breached the white house perimeter the secret service just took trump down i mean he didn't have a say they were just True. like you're getting into the basement because the white house perimeter has been breached you know there was no op there's no you know there was no like do you, do you want to go to the safe place it was like you're going to a safe place so that's my two cents right and that does that does make a lot of sense but um okay so yes and i mean there were what hundreds of thousands of people in dc that day remember i mean everybody and all the undercover fbi agents and informants well like unlike i guess everybody except the capitol police and and the washington dc police everybody knew there were troublemakers that were going to be there you know that were in dc so again the idea that the president would just be hanging around walking around outside high-fiving people in front of the capitol it's like no yeah no okay well, especially, and this was the other um, obvious lie in her testimony and Liz Cheney's um, uh, questioning, is that there, and they played like radio chatter between law enforcement agencies. We're not really sure who they were. Um, and this was intentionally vague, claiming that they saw people with AR-15s in the crowd. Um, no one I've never seen a photograph. This is the first time that I've heard it with all the coverage I've done on January 6th. And certainly no one was arrested or charged with carrying an AR-15 in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. So the Have other anyone part, you've spoken to said that they saw people with AR-15s in the crowd? I'll bet um, no. No, no. I mean, people who were there were like, this never happened. There, Remember, there, now I'm just saying this to the audience because I know you know, Julie. Remember, Nobody was charged with bringing in a firearm into the Capitol. Remember, way back when this started, Julie, what did I say to you? I said right away, I said, Julie, I guarantee you there's nobody went into the Capitol with a firearm. It just did. It just did not. And this was before any, you know, we knew anything. I was like, there's no way anybody walked into the Capitol. Any of these Trumpaloos went into the Capitol with a firearm. And nobody was convicted or charged with taking a firearm into the Capitol. People had firearms in their cars far away from the Capitol, but nobody was actually charged with bringing in a firearm or like an explosive or any other thing that people usually take when they're looking to overthrow a government. Um, <laughs> you know, explosives, um, I don't know, rocket, grenade launchers, whatever. Nobody. And yet there were, eight, but but if I recall from what she said, and this is only secondhand because I did not watch one second of this fuck show, but how if if somebody said if this chatter said that they saw people with AR-15s in the crowd, then how was that information transmitted to Donald Trump? Right. Because she said that Donald Trump knew there were people that had weapons and didn't care. So let's let's back up a little bit on that, too, okay. because this is important. And, you know, for our listeners who, you know, haven't watched this or are only catching the headlines, this is important. So, no, there were people, a few people who were arrested for having firearms or weapons. There were two men who were charged that night. One man left it in his vehicle, um, a 70 year old man who I guess had driven, I think, from Texas to D.C., had firearms in his car, and because the bomb, the quote-unquote pipe bomb scare, allowed police then to search cars and search the area, that's how they found these. 
um, whatever weapons that they were. And then another man was arrested about eight o'clock that night on Capitol grounds. Um, and he had some sort of smaller, small pistol or a nine millimeter, I think. So he was arrested, but no one, no one was arrested or charged with having a firearm inside the Capitol building um, on January 6th, of course, as we know, the only person who had a gun and used it that day was Michael Byrd, who shot and who executed Ashley Babbitt at 2.45 that afternoon. So the idea, but so even if this were true, Liz, it's not Donald Trump's responsibility. I guess Donald Trump on January 6th single-handedly needed to arrest people who were carrying AR-15s in the crowd, he was single-handedly responsible for securing the Capitol building and all the surrounding buildings. He basically was the only person who should have made sure that Washington, D.C. was safe on January 6th. That is what's coming out of this committee. It's ridiculous. Well, right? apparently on January 5th or January 4th, he tried to get a bunch of National Guard troops there in advance. I believe it was 20,000. And nobody listened to him. So That's right. That's right. Um, so he did try and do something before. But what I find just curious is how would Donald Trump know there were people with weapons outside the Capitol? Like how what was the chain of information? Right. Like did someone send him an email or no, he doesn't use emails. Did they text him? I mean, that it's insane to say. Well, that here's used- well, backing up. Here's what was coming out of the testimony. And I think that um, part of this is true is that they have these magnetometers that people had to go through. Remember, Liz, people started lining up outside of the staged area at about 3 a.m. on January 6th to hear. You mean at the ellipse where Trump was speaking or outside yes. the Capitol? No, at the ellipse, because the program, I think, started at around nine o'clock that morning. Trump didn't speak until noon. He was supposed to speak at 11, but they had a whole bunch of speakers beforehand. Right. They had, um, you know, Trump's kids were there. Kimberly Guilfoyle, of course, was there. Rudy was there. John Eastman was there. Um, Ken Paxton spoke. I mean, they had a whole litany of speakers who were speaking before Trump. So people were lining up at like 3 a.m. to get inside. So by the time like a normal person showed up at nine o'clock, all the seating areas were, were already filled. So people were standing outside. And I think that that's what Trump was complaining about is that people, there were so many people and they were outside of the security lines, not because they didn't want to go into the magnetometers, Andy McCarthy. I know that that's what you said. That oh, yeah. There was, <laughs> yeah. Don't even get me started. You know, there was this armed mob of fanatics. That's what he called him in in his column. Just he has completely gone off the deep end. No evidence to this at all. They weren't standing outside the magnetometers because they had AR-15s. They couldn't get into the secured area because it was already filled. So let's start with that. There's I just I need to say I do not believe there's anyone with an AR-15 anywhere in Washington, D.C. walking around with it. I just don't. Um, no, if I tried to walk into Washington, D.C. with my AR-15 slung around my shoulder, I don't even know what would happen to me. Like, right. There's no way that that happened. Like, no, I just I I do not believe it. And, and, And here's the other thing. We have a lot of video and pictures of people who were there that day, especially at the ellipse, you know, in real time. If that were true, there would be pictures in the Washington Post of like somebody with an AR, with people with AR-15s, 
like milling about. Don't there you definitely think? would be. There definitely would be. And so the, the idea that he he did. And so when he was saying these people don't have weapons, they're not here to hurt me. That's what he was saying. Move the magnetometers. My I mean, how many rallies has Trump done? Hundreds since he was yeah. running for president. No one was armed. I mean, easily in these outdoor venues. He knows nobody was there to hurt him. Plus, they had a stage. But here's the thing, Liz. If police, this police chatter was true, and we already know from examples in Seattle that cops were in on making up fake chatter, which I also strongly suspect happened on January 6th. They make up chatter so it can be used as evidence later. That's what they did in Seattle related to uh, Proud Boys protest. So let's say this chatter is true. Whose responsibility, number one, whose responsibility was it to find the armed men who were roaming around on 14th and Independence right before the president was supposed to speak? Not the president. You had lawmakers. You had elected officials who were speaking there, too. So whose responsibility would it be to track these men down, arrest them? Not Donald Trump, D.C. Metro, Secret Service, Park Police. The Secret Service, for sure. I mean, the Secret Service isn't just four guys walking around, walking behind the president. When the president goes somewhere, you got a lot of Secret Service, and they are positioned all over the place. All over. So they're not just, like, right, walking arm in arm with him. They're, (laughs) like, a lot of them are up high, you know, like, in sniper position. I mean, the idea that they're just people milling about. And also the people who were there that the kind of people that go hear President Trump speak, these are like they bleed red, white and blue. If they thought someone was a troublemaker with an AR-15 and I think they would, they would have people would have stepped in. Oh, they would have for sure. You cannot be here with that. I mean, it's so it's so insane that anyone one would believe it. But two, that that that. Liz Cheney and the media will put it out there and think other people will believe it. But I, I digress. I, I, I'm always. Well, Andy McCarthy believed it. Andy McCarthy. Uh, yeah, but look, Andy, Andy is like a short busser, right? I mean, he obviously he's like on, I wrote this on Twitter a couple days ago. The guy is like on a three year time delay because he <laughs> was defending all of his good friends over at the DOJ on the Russia collusion hoax. Where That's he, right. Reportedly, you know, vouched for them, saying there were uh, people of the highest honor. You know, these are professionals. They are highest honor. You know, they are loyal to only the Constitution. And of course, they're all fucking liars that basically sabotaged the duly elected president of the United States of America. So, and apparently, he also doesn't learn. You know, means like the kid that keeps putting their hand on a hot stove. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go balls deep on this, and I'm going to, you know, talk about how this is damning. So. You know, whatever, Andy. We don't we don't like you anymore. Okay. I, and I I do like him personally. I mean, I I like Andy. He's uh, I mean, I used to consider him a, a friend. I mean, he <laughs> I I like him personally. This is just completely destroyed any respect I have for his work because, uh, and you saw the pushback on him when he posted his oh, yeah. first column. But I think he's on number three, trying to clean up a little bit. And but now I guess the take is, well, yeah, some parts of her testimony was flawed, but let's not overlook 
her general message. Well, okay, but you know what? Here's the thing, and this is what really makes me think anything he says is disingenuous. Annie McCarthy is a, a lawyer. He was a prosecutor, right? He prosecuted the blind sheikh who may may be innocent now based on his oh, confess, right? in the last couple <laughs> of days now. But so Annie McCarthy is, you know, an officer of the court, so to speak. You know, I think he's yeah, still, I don't know, point. law license or a member of the bar, whatever. The idea that he would not take offense at the non-adversarial situation, right, and and say and just repeat what this woman said and it not be challenged at all. And he's going to run with it. It's like, I'm sorry, but aren't you like part of a legal system that is adversarial and believes in civil civil rights and civil liberties? Right. But he it's like he doesn't. The idea that you would just run with something a witness says and have it not be cross-examined and he's an attorney and he's a prosecutor. Right. Come on. Come on, man. So for those of you wondering, I'm sure most of our listeners know Andy is he's National Review contributor and Fox News contributor. Uh, He has been covering some of the January 6th issues, nothing related to the political prisoners or the abusive, vengeful uh, prosecution by this DOJ course he hasn't said a word about that but um jumped to cassidy hutchinson's defense in really really embarrassing way um so anyway the idea about the armed mob back to that and then we'll get to our next issue there was not an armed mob trump was not bringing an armed mob anywhere they didn't exist to the extent that there was anyone armed that was the responsibility of numerous law enforcement agencies who were there To your point, Liz, undercover, the place was crawling with undercover Secret Service, undercover Capitol Police, undercover D.C. Metro Police, undercover FBI, undercover ATF. I mean, you go through the list. They should have, if there was anyone armed, it was their responsibility. They actually, heads should roll if this is true, because someone put the president's life in danger. If there were AR-15 wielding men roaming around at 14th and Independence, anywhere near the White House. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is all obviously on like just anyone who takes a second to like digest the claims of this woman and reflect and see if it matches up with just common sense would immediately know that this is all bullshit. And remember, the the January 6th like circus had like adjourned or they had like stopped and then all of a sudden they had like a sudden member did wasn't this like a last minute like oh suddenly we have a new witness who's going to come forward I don't think this was scheduled so it's right I just I, I think this is so so it's so obvious propaganda you know it I mean the whole the whole thing is propaganda but even this explosive low-level aid to Mark Meadows and 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 even after these crazy things that all of the media ran with was it Jonathan Carl who said thank you like who thanked her in a tweet and yes remember they're yes. not biased so all of this effusiveness and slobbering and celebration of of this woman and now all the secret secret service agents are coming out going we're prepared to testify that that did none of this happened right and they're just being ignored so let's so. close with that because I think that's important is that the Secret Service is pushing back. Bobby Engel, actually, uh, who is the head of Trump's detail, testified to this committee. They won't release his transcript. The committee did not go to the Secret Service. They announced yesterday the Secret Service did not go to the agency to verify any part of what 
Hutchinson was going to say, because, of course, they knew what she was going to say because of Cheney's leading question. So that part's falling apart. Um, Hutchinson also took uh, ownership of some sort of memo that was uh, written out that day. And Eric Hirschman, who was one of Trump's attorneys, came out and said, no, Cassidy, you didn't write that. I did. Um, And then now there's scuttlebutt. She claimed to have a conversation with Pat Cipollone, who the committee's desperate to hear from and actually subpoenaed him last night. Trump's uh, one of his top lawyers and one of his impeachment lawyers. Conversation she said she had with him at the White House that day. It looks like Cipollone was not at the White House that day. So Mm -hmm. this is continuing Mm -hmm. to unravel. Well, it, what's really n- interesting, you, you have to ask not not only what this committee is doing, but what the committee isn't doing. And what they aren't doing is talking to like really high level people that credibly have firsthand knowledge or would credibly have knowledge of the things going on. So, again, why are they talking to this low level 25 year old aide and not the Secret Service? Right. Why is that the witness that they put on when they could easily compel the Secret Service to come forward and they could have Secret Service agents say, oh, yeah, Trump hit me. He spit on me. He, you know, threw a, <clears throat> an ashtray at me. That Oh, that was Hillary Clinton. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> but these people can come out and testify because they're not having like the actual primary people testify to the things that they witness. They're having some woman who really is just giving third or fourth hand here, which would, is hearsay. So in an actual trial, really wouldn't be admissible to for her to say she was told that this happened. Um, and this also really indicates that this is just a propaganda effort and that there's some reason that they aren't talking, that they didn't put the Secret Service agents on, um, you know, because right. they're interested in getting a narrative and not actually getting credible facts. But again, this isn't an adversarial situation in a situation where there was going to be like Republicans questioning the witness, they'd never put this girl on. She'd be absolutely decimated, but they know they can get away with it. And they know just like everything else that's been going on for the last six years, that the media will uncritically carry anything that they say and they will present it like fact and they can get away with it. So yes. And um, that's what they did. And it was just, this is another just slap in the face, not slap in the face, but backfiring on um, the media and the never Trumpers. So, um, all right, so let's move on because we're running out of time. That was, but that was important to cover so people understand <clears throat> exactly what, what that was all about. So the other big news, obviously, last Friday, uh, the announcement that Roe versus Wade is now officially overturned and led to just ridiculous outbursts by crazy. crazy women. What is wrong with women on the left? They are lunatics. Well, I think like it's it's crazy women, but just a very like the younger cohorts and then some of the like aging hippies and then just the progressive left as a whole. Now, there's a couple different things that I've seen happen. The first thing is that you have people that just say the Supreme Court banned abortion. No. I mean, I'm curious to know how many people under the age of 35 believe that the Supreme Court made it illegal to get an abortion. A hundred percent. Probably a hundred percent of these people, which is actually false. What the Supreme Court did is say that there's not a constitutional issue and therefore it goes to the states, meaning there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion 
And so it needs to go to each state and each state will decide how they want to handle it, which really is kind of a, is a good thing. I always I'm a federalist. I think the state should do as much as possible and the federal government as little as possible because the citizen voter has much more of an influence at the state level than they do at the federal level. So you want to you know, you want to make sure your neighborhood is the way you want your neighborhood to be. And it doesn't have to be the way a neighborhood is in a different state. So that's the thing. So there's been all kinds of crazy shit. People are put like just like all the other propaganda around every other political issue. You have people out there. I see it on Twitter talking about crazy fantasy stories and trying to pass it off as true. Like someone came into the emergency room with an ectopic pregnancy and the doctors were like, I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you. You're just going to die because abortion is illegal now. And it's just like, OK, <laughs> that is not true. That is false. Or the doctor is a murderer or the doctor is like letting the patient die or because an ectopic pregnancy is actually very dangerous. Um, so that you see that kind of stuff. You see people talking about how now they're just going to have to have like a dead fetus rotting in their uterus or whatever. And they're going to get sepsis and they're nothing that the, that the doctors can do about it. Also a lie. Also a lie. Right. And the naturally the best thing to do when you when when the informate this new news came broke that Roe versus Wade was going back to the states is to start attacking um, pregnancy care centers for women who are pregnant and getting care like and then attacking Catholic churches I guess um, hearts and minds yeah that you know, should people, do it that should do it people are always going after hearts and minds um, it's just been it's been absolutely bananas and you know every state is going to handle this differently you know in California they're going to let people have 10 or 12 month abortions because that's how California is, you know, and that's what kept people in California are fine with that. Well, you know, I mean, all right. But <laughs> all this does is let it go back to let it go to the states. And I see so many people, this is on Instagram or even on Twitter, people are like saying they're going to move to Europe. And I'm like, do you know Europe has stricter laws than the 15 week like example in Alabama that caused this whole case? <laughs> You know, I mean, it, right. the, the United States has an abortion policy that is like up there with China and North Korea. All right. Mo most civilized countries do not allow like abortion on demand and late term abortion. It's just it's no, no other country does allows that except no. unless the life of the mother is 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 in danger. So, oh, it's just been so crazy. What have you seen, Julie? Well, I mean, the same thing and just misinterpretation. And now Joe Biden is coming out and, you know, now AOC and Elizabeth Warren want to open up abortion clinics on um, federal land. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They don't call them abortion clinics. They call them health care clinics or reproductive rights clinics. They you'll note they don't call it an abortion clinic. Why not? No, because they. Well, it's you'll notice it's the same language games with um, the trans the trans stuff where they say they're denying <clears throat> health care to trans people. And when they when they say that, I think so if if someone's trans and they go into an ER and they have a bullet wound, the doctor's like, no, no, because what they mean when they say health care is actually hormones and gender surgery. So when they say female health care, they don't mean like mammogram, you know what I mean? Or pap smear. They mean abortion. <laughs> so right. It's just, right. It's, it's, it's a way to, you know, normalize, I guess, 
something like abortion as it is healthcare. And it's like, well, it's not real exactly healthcare. So not yeah. exactly. No. Um, so now it will be left up to the state. So if some states had trigger laws that if this happened would outlaw abortion. So there are states that that's happening, but this is a, I think, I don't recall who pointed this out, but this is a debate worth having, right? Because, um, who, it was a good, I, um, oh God, what's the guy's name? John Hayward, I think. Oh yeah. He's great. Love John. Roe has really prevented a discussion, a real yeah. discussion at a national level about where we are now with the abortion issue. You know, when that was decided in, you know, say 80s into the early 90s, we don't we didn't have the science that we have now. So you can't really describe it the way that it was early on because we can see what's happening now. You know, you could see fetal heartbeats. You could see the development. You know, you've had abortion doctors, former abortion doctors testify, you know, at certain at 15, 20 weeks, you could see a baby trying to avoid an instrument that's inside the mother's womb, trying to kill it. Like these are things that we didn't know really even 20 years ago. So now it's time to have those discussions and now it's time to expose the left for the demons that they are wanting to allow babies killed even after. I mean, Ralph Northam, what did he say? Right. I mean, comfortable before you spear it in the skull. Shout out to Virginia and our blackface former governor who was, you know, again, ninth, ninth month, a uh, ninth month abortion. Yeah, um, I mean, that's just fourth that's trimester abortion. Evil. That's evil. Well, so, also, you, you know, we've got, we've also, I think, since 1973, the kind, the available, the availability and kinds of birth control are infinitely more. Like, I want to say that if you are really concerned about an unwanted pregnancy, you have more options than ever to to not to right. try and not get pregnant you know that's right in, in, back in 1973 and certainly I mean the birth control pill is dirt cheap I think in Planned Parenthood probably gives it away free if that I is think it's free choose. in most college campuses yes yeah I think that's free. true you're talking about diaphragms you you have shots that you get every three or six months yep. I mean there are um you know the IDs. implants all sorts yeah, IUD of, yeah. pl- implants. I mean, there's a lot of options if you are really concerned about an unwanted pregnancy. Also, you know, don't put a penis inside you. That I mean, real. If you're super hardcore and like super worried, <laughs> you could just not put a penis in you inside your vagina. I or mean, you could put a protected penis inside of you, you too. You could I mean, also, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. you know, I, that's a good. That is a good point. That is a good point. Um, about not having a conversation about it. But, you know, I think what's such a turnoff about the left's discussion of abortion is that you have a lot of people that were okay with a safe, legal, and rare, and we don't have that anymore. Now it's like literally you have to celebrate, like, on demand, no questions asked at any point. And it's like, come on, that's just, it's just, that's just ridiculous. Um, A lot of people Right. Again, people that are safe, legal and rare, they're not going to make that leap. You know, they're not sympathetic. They're not sympathetic to that. And they're not sympathetic to these like ridiculous stories about now somebody who has, a, you know, has their their fetus has died inside them. It'll just have to rot. Yeah, I mean, it's just 
I don't think so. <laughs> you know, the one thing you can always count on the left, and you see this with January 6th or any issue, is they, you know, even though they think and maybe they grab the narrative early and they, but they always go over over the deep end, right? They always yeah. go into the abyss. They always overreach. Shit the bed. They always they shit do. the bed. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're doing. But that's because they're so out of touch. I mean, these people are only surrounded by each other. And so they think that because them and their drum circle talk about this stuff, that everybody talk, everybody thinks like this. And the fact is that it, they, everybody doesn't think like this. And in fact, the the national poll, the, the recent polls on the abortion issue is that there's a majority of people, or I think a plurality of people, um, you know, believe that there should be there should be restrictions. And the left's position is there should be no restrictions. And so, you know, you're just, you're going to lose a lot of people with that shit. So you are, I don't know. It remains to be seen. The states are going to handle it. Every state has, some states have already done stuff. Other states have promised to do things. I think one of my favorite, I think my favorite thing about all of this is watching all these corporations, like start talking about how they're going to spend all this money for people to travel Yes. To get abortions. But but where are these corporations headquartered? Like California, New York? Right. Like, Chicago, gonna, New York. There's right. going to be. San Francisco. Right. There's like they they'll probably have a have abortion clinic set up in McDonald's. I mean, and Starbucks. I mean, these are not people that are are going to have their abortion preferences, you know, their abortion dreams shattered by this decision. But so there's of, new. um. There's breaking news too. some other decisions from the Supreme Court uh, today. They overturned. Uh, they really took a sledgehammer to the EPA long overdue. Um, yes. To create uh, Sean Davis's reporting Supreme Court new to EPA's attempt to create for itself the power to crush the economy by capping emissions, a power Congress never gave to the agency. So that will be uh, major. And actually, John Roberts uh, joined that. Um, unfortunately, though, the Supreme Court, with the help of John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh, um, allowed the Biden administration to eliminate Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, so those were just two. There's another one. But at any rate, there's a lot of uh, more decisions coming out today. And then they ruled apparently in an election case law too, uh, which looks to favor our side. And I think it is reviewing how these uh, state Supreme Courts are unilaterally basically overturning, <laughs> which is what we saw, especially in Pennsylvania in 2020, uh, the state legislature's election laws, which of course they don't have the authority that's to right. do so. Like in Pennsylvania, that's right. Yes. So more good stuff, more more meltdowns, I'm sure, about the EPA. AOC came out today and said, if we don't do something about the Supreme Court, we should just get rid of it. Sure, why not? Just abort. Have an abortion. Let's have an national abortion and abort the Supreme Court. Why not? You know, I love that the, these people's, whenever a, a political situation doesn't go their way, it's to either immediately change the rules or, like, change the court. It's like all of a sudden the court is bad, but when I mean, when the court thought that Obamacare was a tax and so it was OK, the court was good. So it's just like these people are see the government, the Constitution, the agencies just as a tool 
to help them advance their political agenda and gain power and nothing more. They have no print. There's no principles here. There's right. I mean, Biden was overseas shitting on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. I mean, do you see that statement that he made? Yeah, he made a statement. I mean, or he read a teleprompter. Let's be honest. Right. Um, he yes, read a he teleprompter did. and basically said, like, he basically shit on the Supreme Court of the United States. He's overseas talking about how bad it was. It is shot down row and they let some Christian guy say prayers on the football field. Um, oh, right. That no, was another big one. one. Yes, yeah, that the gun was a one good, too. And, the, and yeah. the gun one too, where they basically said, of course, you can carry a gun outside your house. I mean, how stupid is that? Um, so, but that is what, I mean, th- having a president go outside, go outside the country and like shit on the way our country operates, yes. it's unconscionable. It really, it's disgusting. There used to be a policy where you didn't. There used to be. Sh- That's right. Shit, shit talk the United States when when you were out of the country, right? When you were president, if there was an election or something, you didn't go overseas and start shit talking your political adversaries. That, of course, obviously went out the window with, I think, Obama. Um, and so now we just have our senile mashed potato brain president out there talking like that. It was, it's disgusting. But all in all, I would say a good Supreme Court term for us, Justice Breyer is retiring today, arrivederci, in half an hour, he will be gone, and then they can put in the token black person that Joe Biden said that he would put in because he didn't say he wanted the best person, he just said he wanted a black lady, and if that were me, I'd be furious, because now people will think that she's not there because she's a good lawyer, but she's there because she's black. But that's probably true for the Democrats. Right. Of course. So. All right. Well, that is our show today. Julie's got to run. I've got to run. We're busy people. So busy. Have a great holiday. Fourth of July is Monday. Go do some barbecue. God bless America. And we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. 